Hello and welcome. I'm Joe Martin, the host of the Morning Bell Podcast. On this episode, Luke and I are joined by Else Fitzgerald, program coordinator of the Emerging Writers Festival. Else is a Melbourne-based writer, and her work has appeared in various places, including Visible Inc., Australian Book Review Online, The Victorian Writer, Offset, and award-winning Australian Writing. In 2014, she won the Grace Marion Wilson Emerging Writers Competition, and in 2014, she won the Grace Marion Wilson Emerging Writers Competition. Else is the program coordinator for the Emerging Writers Festival and was a judge for the 2015 Victorian Premiers Award for an unpublished manuscript. In 2015, she was selected to be part of Writers Victoria's personal patrons program and completed a three-month residency at the Cells for Writers studios in the Melbourne Jail. She is currently completing a BA in creative writing at RMIT and working on a manuscript of short fiction. In the media section, we talk about House of Cards, Younger, the small and loud production that is running here in Melbourne at the Workers' Club. And for the topic, we talk about the purpose of running Writers' Festival, what writers and even readers can take from it. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me at the address mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and today, as usual, we are in the Morning uh, Morning Bell Bookstore? Well, not quite. We, don't have our we haven't taken yet. over just we yet. We haven't got a bookstore yet. No. We're working on it. Yeah. Joel's working on it. We are in the Brunswick Street Bookstore. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. <laughs> How are you? What have you been up to? Me? Well, I was actually um, quite busy this last couple of weeks. I put out one... Half of a short story, and another little sort of snippet, which I would semi-call it short story. Joel's not convinced. Um, How do you divide up a short story and maximize clicks on your website, Luke? Tell me this <laughs> this scheme. I'm interested. Well, the scheme, as schemey as it sounds, is more based on what I had thought of at the time. <laughs> So I, there was no scheme on getting clicks, but no one get no one clicks anyway. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> that's, no, that's true. I will double the clicks when you click on it the second time. That's true. When I double it, and I'm like, I don't even know what this means anymore. I'm Have you read even it clicked again. on the first one? Um, <laughs> no, I read, send you I read it through my email. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't get my click. I didn't even get a click. So that's <clears> I not denied getting... you my ad revenue. That's you don't right. have ads on your website. I, uh, no. No. <laughs> so you've been yeah, working on so short stories. I would put a couple of short stories out. That's been exciting. I think for some reason I've been, I've been really busy over the last four weeks, but that's somehow pushed a story into my head. Yeah. And I had to write it, even though I'm flat out with everything else. So I'm interested in tangenting off um, in, into asking you about the short story content because it's it's a different setting to what you've been usually doing. It's it's I guess most people can label you a fantasy writer, Yeah, which I don't think is unfair. Uh, no. No. Um, but this is... Dystopian science fiction? Yeah. Almost. I would say more science fiction than dystopian, but probably a touch yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What brought about the change? You've been doing too much programming or what? Music, actually. That's I know weird. I've talked about music um, influencing my writing before, but, but um, it was just one track I was listening to, and the idea just sort of slugged me in the head, even though I'm busy with, busy with work at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got to write this. So I had to, like, grab out a notepad, write it down, and scratch all over my, my work notes and, and tear out a page and take it home with me. 
It's amazing how so, that can happen with a song sometimes. You just, yeah. It connects with something that you've seen and something that you've <clears> read <throat> and something that you've thought of like three years ago and and you've just got to write it. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't write it, you die. Well, not quite, but you know. I you, wonder. You start stressing. <laughs> I wonder where the dissonance is with the song you're inspired by and, and, and you know, whatever that you write. So, for instance, example out of nowhere, uh, Maybe Baby, is that the Justin Bieber song, Maybe? Yeah. I think uh, that's it. Something like that. So I, I wonder yeah, who... I don't want to display my knowledge yeah. of Justin Bieber songs. Like. So I wonder who, like, listened to that, right? And then they were like, I'm going to write the next War and Peace. That would be hilarious. <laughs> It'd be really good. No, I'm not even kidding. Like, I wonder what the dissonance is, whether it's actually the lyrics of the song that make... Oh, you know, if you're listening to an instrumental, or whether it's just the idea that it um, it somehow influences you yeah. uh, down I, a certain like melancholy mood, or whatever, yeah. or happy or you, sad. Usually, for me, it has been the the feeling of the song. Yeah. So not. Yeah. It's the yeah usually, it's the emotional thing. response. But for this one, it was upbeat trance. And okay, it had, it just had like pretty much, it pretty much runs on one line, mm-hmm. which is like a bullet train. Oh, not this song. And it lodges in your head, but then, but yeah, then, it, then it pushed me into writing sci-fi. So there you go. It <laughs> worked know, for me. However you get there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, trance music is generally very similar in feel. So you don't, you don't get a lot of different options for ideas of writing so it was definitely the lyrics in this one <laughs> yep fair enough um you've heard a voice else for child welcome Hello. to the Thank podcast you. good to <laughs> have you on hmm. how has your week been what have you been up to my week has been good uh had a nice break for easter which was lovely but before that um we went up to sydney last wednesday with Emerging Writers Festival to run an event at macquarie university which was amazing mm-hmm. um called Between the Covers. That was like a kind of industry insider event uh, about editing and publishing, which was really fun. Um, Then had a couple of days off for Easter, read a book. Doesn't happen that often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. Uh, And then back at work yesterday um, and launched the new website for the festival, which is really exciting. Um, Yeah. What was the book? The book was... um, I think it's called This Is How by MJ Highland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just picked it up in an op shop, and I shouldn't say that. I, I yeah, did not. <laughs> like I should that. That's good. That's <laughs> I feel less like buying books secondhand. I have some sort of weird guilt. That really? I mean, I'm, well, because then it's like the author isn't getting the royalties. When you're saying it in a bookshop, you, you tone it down like, a little bit. But <laughs> you can, it's still a good place to get books. No, yeah, I'm sorry, you can find some of the best <laughs> books there. I will buy a book before I leave. <laughs> um, no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. Fantastic. Good. So very productive then. It was actually not at all. No. <laughs> you just it said the productive nice, things, yeah, that's all. No, that was a nice uh, thing for my mental health, but mm-hmm. I am also studying one class at university this semester and did zero uni reading, which was a bit lazy. So, mm. yeah. Psychoanalytic criticism just wasn't really turning me on the, there you go. over the Easter break. Uh, no. Nope. It was a hard Easter slog. seems like an odd time yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> Easter. Let's Easter. talk about Easter. Easter. Let's oh talk God. about Easter and family. And, and, yeah. Well, the thing that lodges in my head from this Easter is stacks and stacks and stacks of lint bunnies. Oh, oh I'm so no. jealous. They're everywhere. Like, you walk into any shop, even now, they haven't finished selling them. They're just towers of these bunnies. And really? they're not bad bunnies compared to, like, a Cadbury bunny. 
they still look pretty good. But. Do you know? Do you know what? You know what? They're clones. I think. Well, that's that's it's freaky a to think it's about. A gigantic army. You're of in this. Rabbits. You're in this weird dystopian like fix right now. Everything is like bad and clones. And, you know, well, they whatever. taste fantastic, but they're it's good. But it's they're, good you're scary. eating cloned bunnies. That's right. It's even weirder. Um, you know, the strangest thing is that I think people are running out of ways to portray different Easter bunnies. Because yeah. I just saw one that looked really scary, like, <laughs> like children the creepiest, are the creepiest looking bunny. He had like crazy eyes, and his like teeth were out <laughs> weird angles. And I was like, who is going to buy that? And if I was a kid, I'd freak out. Do you think it's like does on you know when the graphic designer designs the the image that will be on the mm. Easter bunny? It looks great on the screen, <laughs> and, then and then they print it onto the foil it, and, and like, like <laughs> wrap it around the chocolate and it actually turns out looking like a Probably, demon. yeah. It would be a bit of a fail, but... Yeah, a zombie rabbit <laughs> bunny. That's how it goes, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, no, I didn't eat a lot of chocolate, actually. No? I had, like, oh. three Easter eggs. Yeah. I ones. did. Did you? Oh, lots, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, even the... bought, I bought myself Easter chocolate. Yeah. Um, which was sort of depressing but also kind of great because I just went to Coles on Friday mm-hmm. Thursday and it was half price and yeah. <laughs> stack on some chocolate. Yeah. Um Ferrero Rocher. Ha, sponsored by Ferrero Rocher. No. <laughs> um <laughs> they uh, yeah. Uh, feel free by the way. Um if you're listening. Uh but they have this it's very sneaky. They're like let's make an egg within an egg and show you how many eggs that are in with, with within the eggs. So it's all it's all they're all Ferrero Rochers, right? But they make this plastic like egg with a ribbon around it, it's the perfect gift. You don't even have to think about it. Everyone but, likes Ferrero Rochers. But right? that's not chocolate. That's just a plastic egg. And then yeah, in they the- put no effort into this, and I <laughs> still bought on. it. So what's yeah, inside well. it? They're actually chocolate eggs inside. Yeah, um, no, they just no. <laughs> This is the thing. Is it just like a napkin holder? It's a plastic <laughs> egg. Which has just normal Ferrero Rochers inside, oh, and they're like even Easter themed. Cool, like a Kinder Surprise, where you get like a little dinosaur that you have to build, or yeah, or just like Ferrero. Well, Rocher nowadays balls. they come with just isn't a dinosaur that a choking hazard now? Well, I used to love Ferrero Rocher because I thought when I was a kid, I remember um, my parents got a box of Ferrero Rocher for their wedding present, mm. and I thought it was the most decadent chocolate oh, yeah. in the world. Yeah. you know, it's in the gold wrapping; it's mm-hmm. so fancy. And then recently, a friend of mine said to me, "Yeah, but it's just Nutella." Yeah. And instantly it was ruined. Yeah. Because no. it's just little hazelnut bit of biscuit, spread. Biscuit, little bit of Nutella. Yeah, that's not fancy. That's cheap. That's like hazelnut spread. It's not cool. <laughs> ah, you shouldn't have said that now. <laughs> You've ruined sorry. all of us. Sorry, Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> Your child But if you sponsor us. <laughs> I'll take it all back. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. it tastes good. Um, so, enough about eating and Easter. I mean, we didn't get on the whole family and like all that yeah. kind of stuff, but eh, I mean, it's all about the chocolate. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's mostly about the chocolates, right? With that, I mean, that's how it's become. The rest um, is about school holidays. Hmm. That's right. It's, has it started? I yeah. believe so. Last, Last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why I avoid the trains. It's too packed. It's just really hard to go anywhere. Oh, the roads have been a bit emptier though. We can't get started though. on public transport. It's like my pet passion whinge at the moment yeah i literally go on for an hour i'm usually that kind of person who's like that apologist and be like at least we are we have a public transport so uh, we should be grateful but and then you get school orders and i'm just like that's the worst thing ever i feel like all the time now Mm. the roads have been a bit clearer though i've been all right yeah because everyone's on the tram everyone's on my tram that's why i can't get on my tram anymore people on holiday instead of working well in order to not get you started on for an hour, <laughs> yeah, skip let's that. move swiftly on to, uh, who knows, that might be a topic in a future podcast. There you go. We'll invite you back. Um, we're going to, to talk on to about... my new section? 
That's right. I nearly skipped you, Lou. You nearly skipped me. No. Can I still skip you? I'm, no. no. I've only got a couple of things to say, so we'll make it brief. I'm also going to blend it. Um, I was going to make it into a news section, but I haven't got a lot of news this week, so I've, I was going to make it into a sort of, uh, what, would, what did I call it? Like a heritage Twitter, heritage tweet and news section. Man, so people, people's just previous yeah. guests get their tweet, well, some of their tweets thrown onto the podcast. Uh, before you get started, I just want the <laughs> listeners to realize that Luke is basically hijacking this podcast. <laughs> Give it a few weeks, ladies and gentlemen, you won't even hear me anymore. I'll just be gone. Luke will be like, yeah, Joel, you know, it was about time I stepped in. Anyway, Luke, go well, for I it. I just thought I'd start off with one of the best retweets that somebody threw out there, which says, Hangman teaches kids that public execution is the only appropriate response to spelling words wrong. <laughs> That is, it's got to be the zing, one of the best. Zing. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, funny to see that there's news about um, children's category driving book sales. Someone actually published an article saying, hey, children's books are driving the industry. That's Inter- always happened. Interesting. What's <laughs> Has the that way? changed in the is past 30, 40 news? years? Is no, that, exactly. Yeah, is that, uh, exactly. It's is a new article news? which doesn't <laughs> have any impact. Trade. <laughs> Treads over all who, who, ground. Who did it surprise? I'm trying to, I don't understand why it's so surprising. <laughs> Journalism. Um, Michael Pryor, and this is a writer's Victoria tweet. Michael Pryor's um, got an advanced fantasy course on Tuesday evenings in April. So if you cool. want to write advanced fantasy, yeah. that's where you go. Uh, so what, writer's I, Victoria. What's, what's advanced fantasy? We'll get Michael on <laughs> soon, but like, I want to ask him, like, We're did you have decide to exactly, what's an ad- yeah. so what's basic fantasy? Basic fantasy. We're going to have a good discussion, You throw in Michael an elf and, and you say, that's it. Yeah, probably. Advanced fantasy, elf and dwarf. <laughs> I don't <Okay>. know. <laughs> <laughs> this is not actually what the cost is, but we no. just, yeah. We'll discuss this. And keep going, Luke. That's right. Um, I don't know a whole lot about this, but there was a Bentley PS Literature Festival organized by Ford Street, and George Ivanoff was tweeting about that recently. Cool. Awesome. Um, and that's all I've got for today, actually. I have to news bring rap. a bigger list next time. Yeah. <laughs> the news <rap. laughs> and that but, is and the news And now on to the way, that way, now Joel gets th- to skip me, so there you go. Yeah, um, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling threatened, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's doing a better job than me right now. Um, the cough, this was all part of his plan. He got me sick. I'll soon, like, have a worse cough, and he just won't hear me again. <laughs> evil, evil Master <laughs> Luke. That's just what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in an evil cackle here and there, and you'll be good. It. Um, so, we're moving on to the media section now, where we talk about film, TV, and theatre, and what we've been viewing in the last week or so. Luke, let's start with you. Dang it, he wants to start with me again. We did have it. Uh, we, um, we did have this sacrificial lamb. Yeah, always. Right. Um, uh, we did have this thing where we were going to go watch um, animated movies that were. Oh, um, produced oh, no. in uh, foreign countries. We didn't countries. Even do this, did we? <laughs> but we didn't do this. It's all right. We'll do this <gasps> another time. That. I'll try and. I'll... I feel like I watched one, but I can't remember what it was now. So, so here's the plan. Uh, the next guest, uh, surprise, surprise, is Michael Pryor uh, on the 13th of April. So I'll try and rope him in on this. I'll be like, yeah. Michael, <laughs> keep us honest. You watch one, we'll all watch one, and uh, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll have a look. So let's 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 actually do that. I know we never keep any promises on this podcast. You should be used to it. <laughs> But, Luke, what have you been doing? But I did watch Brave again, and I don't know what everybody doesn't like about it. Boring, There continue. are a lot of people who do like it. Not interested. But... Next subject. <laughs> skipping right okay, over skipping over Brave. Oh, I kind of liked it. Anyway. I did start The Godfather. I haven't finished it yet. Didn't Ooh, have time. Yeah. I've never seen it before, so it's very, very curious to get into it. And so I guess I'll make a 
you know, a, a podcast promise mm-hmm. to uh, get back on that sometime. And good, probably next promise. next podcast. We should hold you to that. But yeah. it's a podcast promise, so yeah. it won't, have it to won't happen. You know. <laughs> uh, anything else? Not at the moment. Nope. Okay. So you've got nothing for us. <laughs> wow. I'm doing a Joel. <laughs> no, the reason the reason we, we neatly skipped over Luke with Brave is because we've talked about this before. We have, actually, we, yes. We had to trade over all, all I don't know if we talk about Brave, but again, it falls under the same sort of Pixar um, animations. Mm, yeah, and and we've been on an animation criticism trend recently where we've just been putting down things very sadly. Actually, I will say one <laughs> thing about Brave. Yeah. It, it was one of the... Uh, other than, say, Toy Story, one of the few sort of taily films that they put out that wasn't based on an old fairy tale or yeah. or myth. It was actually written by someone who who it's says... It's original story, yeah. Yeah, it's original story that was written and, and the the writer herself says it was um, written in fairy tale. Yeah, um, it does It does really have those... Yeah, it's got that feel, definitely. But, um, but yeah, it was actually written for the screen, so it was good. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. No, I, I'll, I'll watch that eventually. <laughs> it, it, uh, the, the funny thing is, you, you um, on, on the last podcast, you, you mentioned that you watched Zootopia and how you didn't really find it very appealing. What did I, what did I watch? Zootopia. Oh, Zootopia, yes. Um, and it's funny because I've been hearing from a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's a really fresh story. It really got me into it. I'll tell you one thing about Zootopia. It's the first film that does... Audio devices in rabbits' ears correctly. What do you mean the Bluetooth? Usually they have thing? headphones wow. that come down to here, and their ears are up here. So oh, they, so they actually get it earmuffs, right. But in this one, she has like a little Bluetooth earpiece in her ear. Cool. See, this is how we bring the Easter Bunny conversation yeah, to the full circle. That's what they call professionalism <laughs> and segues. Um, good segue. Good segue. <laughs> uh, by the way, the Easter Bunny does not have an audio device. But oh well, uh, that's all right. Oh well, he might get a Twitter soon. He might get Twitter. Maybe <laughs> then, we, then we're going to be scared. Um, what have I been watching? I just started House of Cards, cool. uh, and cool. it's something that I've been putting off for a very long time because I've, we've, you know, media has a lot of you know U.S. politics and drama like West Wing and etc. And I thought, man, people have been telling me to watch House of Cards, and I've been putting it off. And I'm like, I don't think I'll get into it. Watch that first episode, and I was like, well, all right. <laughs> I just lost all my nights. Yeah, there goes the next week of my life. Yep. Um, it's very good. I'm good. I'm deeply enjoying the fourth wall breaking um, conversation where, uh, well, basically Kevin Spacey, uh, Frank Underwood's uh, as the character it has with the audience, and it it's it's a it's just a very well written show, and obviously that is based on the miniseries that was um, on the BBC, I believe, and yeah, it's it's. It's a really good show, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm about halfway through the first season, and it's hooked me and hasn't dropped me just yet. So what specifically about it is holding you? So I think it's it's definitely the idea that this character is... He starts off the, the series, and in, in some ways we spoil everything that we talk about on this show, so it's no surprise that I probably <laughs> will do the same. It. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably right, do the give same Give people here. a reason to watch it. That's right. <laughs> um, and it's only the first season, so I guess if you like it, you like it. Um you basically start the story, and Frank Underwood is put in a position where he loses uh, something. And in this particular thing, it's a position that he's been uh, campaigning for off screen. Mm-hmm. So you, you set up this idea, and then he's like, on the warpath, I'm going to make these people pay, and I'm going to get this, you know, I'm going to be somebody, basically. And he's already the um, the party whip, I believe. In the, in the, and mm-hmm. he just, um, it's, 
it's that character and he has such an interesting relationship with his wife and such a complex relationship and you're always wondering like where is this going to break because it's always like teased and it's like um you see a little fractures but at the same time they seem very very close but you know and i mean it hasn't happened yet for me but like you know when you set up a strong relationship in any sort of fiction <laughs> there will be something to either test it or break it or something yeah. and i think mm. that is that that's one thing that i'm interested in seeing where it's going to go mm. um the uh, win at all costs mentality that uh, Frank Underwood has, and um, the charisma, and just the dialogue is probably one of the most entertaining things to listen to, uh, where he just um, he confounds the audience as well as uh, the other characters in the show, and that's very very entertaining. But it's a character that fails uh, occasionally, and and has um, moments of. Uh, loss and sadness, and even though he's he's almost a despicable character, but you still care for him, and, and mm-hmm. in in that way, and, and that keeps you interested. But no, I'm I'm very interested. I'll probably report back in a few weeks on how I found. Having them. watched all available, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the the power of um, on demand. It's, I know it's not good. It's dangerous, isn't it? It's a very dangerous. I can't thing. get Netflix for that reason. I'm just. It's just not. Yeah. It's Cons- wise. Consume my life. Mm-hmm. I still just download too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not helping. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've been watching, and I think that's about it. Yep, that's that's about it. Else, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, I yeah, I watch a lot of junky TV, which mm-hmm. is kind of embarrassing to admit. I like to. Uh, veg out on ridiculous television. Um, I got quite hooked last year on a show called Younger, which is about a 40-year-old divorcee who's got an 18-year-old daughter who tries to move back to Brooklyn and get a job in publishing, which she studied in school uh, and ends up, you know, long story short, masquerading as a 26-year-old publishing assistant. And it's quite... (laughs) It's very vacuous, but it's quite funny. Uh, Is that what I need to do? <laughs> pretend to be 26. Don't, don't, don't get, need to don't, pretend. <laughs> don't get any ideas. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very, like, Hilary Duff is one of the, okay. the editors yeah. for this publishing company that she ends up working for. So that's the kind of caliber where yeah, they're yeah, talking. Yeah. So it's almost like Devil Wears Prada kind of Yes, uh, but publishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. I like it because it is so ridiculous in how glamorous, <laughs> and it's it makes. related in some way to your industry. As well, well, yeah, so, yeah. kind of. Maybe I. Yeah. So that's the hook, in I it's guess. It's the hook. Uh, if my life were anything like that, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like my life better. <laughs> mm, I don't. Yeah, don't really want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. But it's very, it's very entertaining. Fantastic. Not very and, clever. And that's all you've been watching. Uh, TV wise, mm-hmm. I've been. Um, went to a couple of things at the comedy festival oh, good. over the weekend. Yeah. Um, I saw a show, uh, Good Grief by Nat Harris, which was really awesome. Yep. Um, she did, it was about her father dying, which sounds horribly depressing, but she went mm. through the five stages of grief yeah. in a very entertaining way. Mm. Um, and I've also, there's a, a new theater night that happens. It's actually on tonight, uh, up at the workers club called Small and Loud. Um, and it's a, like a scratch night for new theatre works in development. And they curate a couple of um, performers each each month 
and uh, the way it's set up is that they, these people perform their work in progress and then the audience members can give feedback kind of on the spot, which is really, a really interesting model to me. Mm. There's not a lot out there for that kind of like really raw work and development stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen two of them now. It's been amazing. Fantastic. Um, well, yeah, for constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything about constructive that could get dangerous well, I even find be, yeah. I find even as an audience member that's kind of something that's like because I'm not great at giving mm. feedback it's yeah. something mm. I really want to be able to do better is to mm. learn how to really engage with something and give constructive feedback and mm. not feel yeah not feel conscious. embarrassed so, so you've actually attended one it. didn't you, you said, yeah I've been yep. to two now does um, it feel like a workshop uh, it is it's like a performance so they they have mm. a room at the workers club and um you know, you go. It's it's very intimate, but it is mm. like um, not so much a workshop. They perform, and then at the end, there's yeah. a feedback okay. opportunity. So, wow, but it's very cool. I wonder what that must feel like on the other side, on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the performing side. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not a not a performer by mm. any means. Although I used to play music on, in bands, so yeah. maybe. No, well, you've got that experience, so then I suppose you would be mm. there, right? In that I think it takes it. a great level of confidence to. To perform a and then handle the critique, yeah, and then, yeah, <laughs> then have everyone give you feedback, man. Yeah, no, I'd be a puddle of sweat at the end of that. I'd be like, all right, I'll Stressful. leave for the last bit. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, that's something that I'll probably check out. Um, mm. Anything else? Either of you two? I think that's. I think we're good. Things. Yeah, we start to get into embarrassing territory of like me binging on episodes of The Good Wife, which I don't. We don't. Need to, <laughs> we don't need to go there. That's like. Moving right along. I mean, you know, <laughs> writing critique, if you want to throw it out there. I mean, let's face it, a lot of TV is just, you know, um, comfort food. Yeah, escapism. Escapism, comfort food, and this, and that's just about it. Um, well, if you want to, if you want embarrassing, I went to a um, a Disney, Disney themed oh, okay. 21st for my cousin this Not weekend, and I got pretty much all of the answers to the quiz wrong. Oh, wrong! So, no. Why is that embarrassing? It's just—it's like the anti-embarrassing. You're like not, you're too hip know to all know all these things. things. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of them, but were you like pretending there to was get them a, wrong? No, <laughs> that was the twenty-first, but there wasn't a fifth birthday. Actually, put tricky ones win. in. Like, how how do you know what the the title of a a song without lyrics is in Disney films? I don't I don't bother to look up all the titles Ooh. of the songs. Yeah, no, that's So when they intense. play the first section, like... How about let words? it go? <laughs> Give me the words. Yeah, you wouldn't... How yeah. about let it go? That's the only one I know. Because <laughs> I hear it all the time. Um, no, uh, very funny um, tangent off, but we were doing a, a test run for the um, for the digital podcast that's meant to happen every old week. Oh. And... Uh, there's, a, there's, a, it'll probably never release, but who knows? We Is it for about... this reason that you're about to explain? No. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it, probably for the reason that I did slam poetry of uh, Frozen's "Let It Go" uh, on air, and uh, <laughs> Lucas and Luke were beatboxing in the background. This what? is too good. This will never get released, uh... um, simply due to audio issues. Obviously, <laughs> totally nothing to do with the slam poetry, but who knows? There you go, fun stuff. It was um, pretty funny. You can do it now if you want. That way it's on a real podcast. No, no. That, that'll never happen ever again. Um, if I could go red, I would. Uh, let's move to the topic on the uh, for this episode. It, 
When I guess we were, we've always wanted to talk about festivals in a mm-hmm. very specific sense. The last time we've talked about it was with Sandy Sega from Anya Magazine, and it was the idea that we were talking about community in a in a general sense and how to engage with community. Mm-hmm. And we touched on festivals uh, just a little bit um, and getting involved and things like that. But specifically, I guess one of the reasons. We invited Alson to the podcast, apart from being a good person, but, you know, oh, um, was that we wanted to talk about the actual background of what goes into running a festival and mm-hmm. uh, everything that comes with it. And then we can get into the nitty gritty of um, the, the pros, the cons, how people feel about it, how people don't feel about it and um, that issue. So why don't you give us like a very short rundown of what the Emerging Writers Festival is all about and then sure. we can go from there. Um so the Emerging Writers Festival is uh, a festival for writers, I suppose, um, more than perhaps some other writers' festivals, which are more for readers. Mm. Um, one of the things that we kind of really try to do is um, the festival is all about professional development for writers. Um, so we have a couple of programming streams um, where we run a lot of workshops and industry insider events, masterclasses that are all about that professional development side and then we do a lot of performance uh type events um networking events that are more about connecting writers with their audience and new audiences to kind of expand that Mm -hmm. that audience base um we're a very small festival in terms of the organization most of the year it's just three of us in the office um Mm -hmm. but i think that's great because we are such a close kind of um, family, um, yeah. Um, I guess the morning bell as a as a idea is connected to the idea of emerging in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where where's the line drawn as as an emerging? It's a funny writer, one, I think. Emerging. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, I think people say. You know, if you've published a book or certainly two or more books, then I think you kind of move up into that next tier of being established or certainly semi-established. Um, but I, I think it's it's not something that you can really clearly define. Um, it's definitely for people who are at early stages of their career, um, whether you've published a book or nothing at all or fall somewhere in between that Um that's sort of a bit ambiguous. I think the other thing that is a big thing for us and at the moment is um, trying to enforce that idea that like, emerging does not is not synonymous with being young mm. because there are a lot of amazing organisations that work with young writers um, and we also have lots of young writers in our community but it doesn't, just because it's emerging doesn't mean... Yeah. You know, mm. so I think there's there are m- lots of amazing emerging writers who are in their fifties or yeah, beyond, age, or yeah. somewhere in between that. And I think that's something we really want to enforce: is that like this festival is for everyone who's emerging, not just emerging writers not who just are. The young chap, you don't have to be twenty one yeah. and emerging. You can be you can be seventy and emerging, mm. and this is still a festival for you. Yeah, mm. interesting. Um, How did you come to be involved with with yeah, the coordination? Uh, it's funny. I, um, for a very long time, I'm a writer, so mm-hmm. for a long time I thought that because I wanted to be a writer that I should work in publishing. Mm-hmm. So for a long time after I graduated, I pursued editorial assistant positions or any kind of job that came up in a publishing company mm-hmm. um, and went to a lot of interviews and finally someone asked me, 
why, why do you even want this job? And I couldn't actually answer it other than, <laughs> well, because I'm a writer and I think that's what you're mm. supposed to do. Yep. Um, but I actually have a background in hospitality and events management. And so a couple of years ago, I ended up volunteering with Writers Victoria, funnily enough, mm-hmm. um, and working on an, a big event for them. And I loved it. It was the two kind of passions of mine, like events and that sort of hospitality side to things and literary arts. And, and it came together. Fit, yeah. yeah, such yep. a good fit. So I did that for six months and had just the best time. And then uh, and the creative producer internship was open with Emerging Writers Festival. So I applied for that and was incredibly lucky to get one of those positions, which is a six-month um, internship. Where is it you, the same type of work? Similar. Directing? It's, so the creative producer roles at EWF are kind of for uh, emerging arts programmers. Okay. And you come on... Um, in usually at January, the beginning of the year, when the creative programming for the festival is really starting to kick off and each of the creative producers gets to take charge of an event or a couple of events hmm. um, right through from sort of the initial ideas and creative development through to the production, yep. um, which was amazing for me. So I did that for six months on last year's festival and... Just, I just loved it. I had mm-hmm. the best time. I met so many amazing people and I loved the community and I felt really like I'd found what I wanted to do for a job and that was the first time that it happened in 15 years. Mm, yeah, great. <laughs> um, so that was awesome. And then um, late last year I was offered the program coordinator role and very happily accepted. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here we are. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, it'll be a good history. We'll, we'll see when the when the festival rolls out this year. <laughs> yep, that's right. Um, uh, we were talking about the Somerset uh, celebration of something. So Correct me. <laughs> Look, I'm just blind. So, uh, yes, Somerset Literature Festival. Yes. And up in, and up in Gold. Yeah, and the, on the Gold Coast. And, you know, the incredibly positive things that came out of that festival. Mm-hmm. Um uh, we had George Ivanoff on uh, the last podcast who was talking very positively about the previous ones as well. Um, and generally, it has it has a very good vibe about it, um, which a few festivals have as well. And that idea mm. that um, w- was interesting to me because there's, I, uh, there's two ways for a lot of writers to, to, to approach festivals or to feel comfortable in festivals and in, in that way that you either go as, and, and most people go as, as the guests and, um, or rather the, the audience mm-hmm. and they're part of the audience and they go and they listen. And uh, I, was, I was hearing these things of, I cannot remember, uh, it was either 20, 2014 or 2015 um, on the Writers' Festival here in Melbourne. And I went and we, we did this thing when I did some some uh, conversations with people who had gone to the, the festival and see what they thought about it. Just, you know, the, mm-hmm. the general audience. Hmm. And there was a great sense that they felt that um, they felt that certain genres were underrepresented and, and they felt yeah. like uh, they were part of that genre. And so they felt hurt and they feel <laughs> that, well, it's not representing me anymore. And then um, other people will be, and, and this has happened throughout all of history and probably any sort of thing that you do, that it was better back in the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll always be that feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Emerging Writers Festival is generally a very new festival, um, relatively anyway. Um, so I guess the cynicism hasn't sunk in. But... <laughs> yeah. 
but the ideas behind it, I guess, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you keep focus and be like, well, that these critiques will come in or whatever. And yeah, I think you, I mean, there's always, there's that idea, like, you can't, you can never please everybody. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't, no yeah. matter what you're kind of doing, and mm. especially in this area where you're trying to pull together a program of a lot of events that's for a large mm-hmm. group of people. Um, and we just try to be as inclusive and open as we can to new ideas and new artists. Um, something that's a really big part of our programming is uh, we do an open artist call out every year, um, and that's an opportunity where writers get to pitch themselves their projects their ideas to us and we spend a few months reviewing uh all those applications and that forms a large bulk of how we put together the program Hmm. um and so you know particularly that, that you mentioned genres and it was interesting this year like a lot of people were talking about fan fiction and wanting to have that be a part of the conversation that goes on at the Emerging Writers Festival. And so we try to respond to that and program space for those, mm. the peop- the things that are coming forward in the open call out. Mm. Um, and I think in that sense, we are, we are directed somewhat by our audience in terms of what we program. But yeah, I think you... I mean, we are, we do, we, I feel like we do a lot. We have a lot of events and it's an 11 day program, but at the same time, you just, you can't program everything you want to. Mm. You can't invite every artist you want to. Um, of course. And yeah. sometimes it is just, yeah, kind of, kind of making decisions and, and hoping that y- you can put together the best mm. festival this year and that there will always be room for next year to kind of keep, keep evolving and keep including more and more things that are interesting and, yeah. Well, have you had any particular? Um, sorry, Joel. No, no, go for uh, it. Any particular? <laughs> I'm used to this. Complaints that are the biggest ones that come through, like on a specific genre, specific author, even anything no. particular people have pined uh, for or theme or yeah. I mean, I I'm speaking only of my experience, which has been only this la- last year's festival in 2015, and, and now putting together the program for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean nothing. I don't. There's nothing that springs to mind as being particularly um, standing out. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, we just we try to do put together the best program we can. And what about more generally? Then would there be? Do you get many complaints at all? <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> I hit something. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think like it, I think there's there's always. Yeah, I, again, that thing, like, you can't please everybody mm, and there'll yeah, always yeah, be yeah. dialogue around mm-hmm. that where somebody feels like, you know, such and such isn't happening or that's yeah. being done wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think it's not it's not beneficial, it's not yeah. healthy to kind of dwell on the negative criticism <laughs> about any of this stuff. Yeah. I think that, like, the, th- the big that's thing true. for me is that... Um, or my feeling about the Emerging Writers Festival and the writing community is that it is inclusive, it's supportive, it's not about it's not about being critical of each other or what mm. we're doing. Mm. It's about like supporting and helping connect writers with audiences and with each other, and just kind of being there to facilitate. There will always be haters, always be yeah. people who throw out bad comments, right? And- just yeah. for the fun you just of it don't sometimes. Dwell on that side of things. Yeah, I guess. no. And yeah, try not to try not to let it influence what mm. you do mm. because that's not productive, I don't think. Yeah. Um 
I guess I guess we're gonna play a game. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, in in the idea that like you know uh, Socratic method, ask enough questions on the same thing, yeah. you eventually get to the heart of the matter, right? Um, so talk me through like what is uh, and, and this, this probably sounds an uh, interesting question. What is the reason? Um, what is the core of setting up a festival for writers? What's the what's the main goal here? Yeah, I think I mean kind of. And I'm obviously asking is your opinion. I'm not asking you to speak on on behalf of like yeah, I mean, the I entire know, festival can, community in the <laughs> I world. Can only speak on behalf. Of myself. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean for me, as a writer, I mm-hmm. think, and having been an audience <laughs> member at festivals before I ever started working for one. Um, I think it's really great to have this environment or this place that for, I mean, for emerging writers, it's 11 days in June where you can come and meet other writers, other people like you who do what you do Mm -hmm. and have the same, you know, the same kind of highs and the same kind of lows. They go through the same sort of struggles that you go through. Um, Because I often feel, I feel as a writer that it can be, it's like an isolating job sometimes you spend a lot of time in your own head or kind of at your laptop and it can be that can be challenging mm. and i think it's really nice to come to a place like emerging writers or any other writers festival mm-hmm. i think what national young writers festival is doing is incredible mm. and there's so many like great kind of smaller festivals and everything going on um and just being able to connect with your community and feel feel like you're not alone and and it's really great for your practice as a writer to like meet other writers bounce ideas you hear so many inspirational things you get to be part of these creative conversations you get to have a really Mm. good time um i always hated (laughs) i've i still find it difficult sometimes that idea of like networking you know yeah it is like that is is part of it as well it's like i think coming to a writers festival and being really open about meeting people and getting involved in conversations um, is going to help you professionally and creatively. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, if, so then I'll ask you another question on top mm-hmm. of that. Go for it. Um, is that if, uh, if then the, the core, I suppose, is that engendering a sense of community and, mm-hmm. and getting people um, in that sense that we're writers together. Um, where does the, where is the uh, idea of uh, how do you keep focus on the festival being a writer's festival and not a reader's festival? And, like, where does that line get crossed sometimes? Or... Yeah, I mean, it's blurry. It's mm-hmm. not um, – we call ourselves a festival for writers because a lot of the events we program are about that professional development side of things. So, so like, workshopping yeah, kind of Yeah, um, workshops or... we do a lot of master classes. So, oh, yeah. you know, it might be <laughs> – um, a fr- there's a freelancing masterclass, mm-hmm. so you can you know come and it's about industry skills and professional development. Um, so in that sense, it's for writers, but that doesn't mean that people who aren't professional writers can't come to these events. Mm. I mean, you can, anyone can come yep. um, and still get something out of it. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that. Those workshops, masterclasses, industry insider events are kind of designed to help writers with their career, with their practice. Um, And the performance events that we put together are 
they're like much more fun and um, totally open to the public. It's very inclusive, but they're an opportunity for emerging writers to share their work publicly. Mm. And mm-hmm. in that sense, that's sort of the professional development aspect of that, where you can get up on stage and read out a poem or, mm-hmm. you know, be part of a um, storytelling event or something to, to be able to showcase your work. Sure. Yeah. Look, I suppose if you're going to be, yeah, if you've got your, your festival, you can aim it at readers anyways, because most write, not all, but most writers are readers. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can still include them with um, reading and writing yeah. activities. Yeah. I, do, I think that that helps, they're not know. mutually exclusive things. <laughs> I don't know any. I suppose the readers might have trouble with the writing activities, but the other one, because it's aimed at writers anyway, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was curious, what, um, what would you suggest um, a an emerging writer rather would should or should focus on when they go to this or what what's the main things they should attend if they go i'm not saying for you you must go to but what's what's the best place for them to start i mean i guess with the emerging writers festival um kind of the cornerstone of our programming is the national writers conference which takes place over the middle weekend of the festival this Mm -hmm. year it's the 18th and 19th of june um and that is two days of um sort of back-to-back panels conversations some performance events um and that's covers a lot of different topics genres kind of aspects of the industry mm-hmm. um so that's a really good kind of um yeah i guess a place to start if you if you were thinking about just getting a taste of what the emerging okay. artist festival is about um but i think again that's such a personal question <laughs> like i mean if you're yeah if you, i mean everyone's different yeah but, exactly yeah, so but, if you're a fantasy writer and you kind of or you love fan fiction there'll be events that speak to you particularly in the programming and if you are really into podcasting or audio storytelling there'll be events that will mm. be you know really relevant to you and maybe not so much to others yeah not to say that you know mm. there's anything that's not relevant to everyone but mm-hmm. yeah i think we try to keep the programming as diverse as we possibly can in mm. terms of the ground we cover so that there is something for everyone. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, oh, do you have, I do have another question. Oh, go for it. <laughs> it does stem a little bit from what the other one I was yeah. I already asked, but um, say, well, let me just pose it as a question. Um, I've just written a book uh-huh. and I want to get it published. Is there any event here that would help me with publishing or getting finding someone to help publish it? Yeah, we don't um, – There, I mean, there are part of the – some of our partnerships are with publishing houses, so we have a lot of industry professionals who are involved in the festival presenting mm-hmm. on events. Um, and so definitely the industry insider events, um, we have we have an event about pitching, so you can learn about how to pitch your work to a publisher or to a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing, I guess, sort of what we were talking about before, that idea of networking – because a lot of, a lot of the, not a lot, like some of the benefit of coming to a festival like Emerging Writers is that sort of incidental stuff that happens around the events as well. So, you know, you come to these panels, these workshops, and you learn a lot and you take in a lot of information. And that, in that sense, that's really beneficial, I think. But you can also have, um, it's the kind of conversations that are happening with other writers, with publishers, with editors around yeah. that, just being at the festival so I think that can be great. You know, you might meet a publisher at drinks at the artist party or mm-hmm. and from that the kind of relationships that develop okay. provide yep. those avenues or can do anyway. 
So that's yeah. Are there any? Um, this is stemming off of you've already mentioned the pitching um, events, but are there any particular events where a publisher will get up and talk about the mm-hmm. publishing process as well? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's um, the event we did last week in Sydney with, with Macquarie University. We had a panel that was called Process of Publishing, and we had. Um, Robert Watkins and Kate Stevens, who are two, like a publisher and a commissioning editor from Hachette, mm. and they came along for the day and spoke in great detail um, and very candidly about their job. The slush and, pile. Yeah, like, I mean, very <laughs> stuff that you sometimes don't hear. Mm. You know, it's, it's refreshing to be able to go to a session like that and hear a publisher speak yep. very, very honestly about, about the industry, and, but in a way that's so encouraging yeah. um, mm. and supportive. So. Yeah, and I mean, our program doesn't officially launch till the 10th of May, so I'm trying to be like slightly coy <laughs> without Fair giving enough. away too much. Yes. But yeah, right. that's yep. the kind of thing that um, we really we really strive to do to, yeah. to provide that. Great. Fantastic. Um, one of my final questions would be, uh, and, I, and I asked Sandy Sager about this when we were talking about community, and I'll ask you the same thing, is that a lot of writers, you mentioned writing is very insular, and that is entirely true. Um, because a lot of it is spent, you know, musing and mulling over mm-hmm. your own work and, uh, and then occasionally seeing the light of day, uh, occasionally. Um, <laughs> but uh, that also it also comes with certain personalities as well, yep. and, and some people are quite um, uh, uncomfortable with the idea of networking or uncomfortable with the yeah. idea of oh, um, totally. just interacting with another author or something like that and having to be very uh and and especially as an emerging writer you're very precious over your work until you you know you get broken a few times and then you realize (laughs) you're just like everyone else um and and there there is also this other sense which um which is i guess a certain amount of pride i suppose Mm -hmm. that we all have in built in us uh when when, we go to a festival and we see a writer talk and say you're a writer and you're listening to a writer talking and you know there's a there's a certain sense in yourself what well it's of identity yeah it's that idea that um like i'm I'm not so different why haven't i got this and you know there's a sense that that comes in and it makes people feel like all the people attending is like you get a bit uncomfortable and you're like well i don't feel like going because i feel like a failure now yeah and like I know you don't have a one fix answer to this because that has a lot to do with like personalities and oh, psychology and, and I mean and it's totally something I still feel mm. as a writer I, f- I find I mean yeah talking to people is hard mm. and it's mm. like I'm quite shy I tend to get over it with a sense of bravado now <laughs> but it's still I mean you can find yourself in situations that are awkward but I think I mean I just try to remember for myself certainly that this community is very supportive they're very open it's very inclusive nobody is going to be negative towards you in any Mm. way and I think that to me is quite reassuring so even times when I feel a bit uncomfortable or I'm you know I feel like oh god I how do you kind of navigate this territory it's like just keep reminding yourself like these people are just like you everybody feels the same way on some level and we're just trying to kind of interact and be a good supportive community. And I think that thing of, I guess that jealousy complex or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like that's a difficult mm. one. And I do yep. it. I, I'm guilty of that mm-hmm. thing of, um, yeah, comparing yourself to other people in terms of your work or where your career is at or like, Oh, I could do that. Why aren't I doing that? I think you're your own self and, mm-hmm your work is your work and I think don't don't spend too much time 
agonizing about not being at a certain point just because somebody else is or you know whatever and just kind of to have a bit of tenacity and faith in yourself and it like yeah and keep putting yourself out there like I'm applying to go and speak at the National Writers Young Festival which is an idea that terrifies me but Mm. I just think Mm. put your name out there put yourself out there keep talking to people keep being involved in the community and like nothing bad will come of that yeah you know Gonna say I'm always afraid of. I was afraid of the idea of um, running into because being a fantasy writer myself, I uh, was afraid of running into the literary crowd or the nonfiction crowd. <laughs> now those We're are two crowds. Crowd. Those are two crowds that terrify me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's always there's always they're a lot bigger than the fantasy crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've been writing lots of like weird speculative fiction at the moment, and so yeah. But yeah, I just and also like. I think maybe a good thing to remember is um, even though within the community there are little niches like the fan fiction writers who write about Harry Potter or the fantasy writers or these like experimental poets, we're all writers and Mm. we're all part of this bigger community. Um, So, yeah, I I think like that sort of like idea of having factions and Mm. I think that's not, yeah. If it's fun, then that's great. But yeah, let's, (laughs) let's try to be, let's be all together. Fair enough. Well, we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Um, We're going to call it a night. I'm glad you tuned into this episode because I think Else brought a lot of positivity to what is usually (laughs) quite a very pessimistic podcast. Uh, I mean, that's. I'm normally such a pessimist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess when you've got Luke Luke and me for company, you you shine as an optimist. So there you go. That's good. I want to hang out with you guys more often. I get to be like, I'm the upbeat. Make yourself feel better. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for listening, and now thank you for joining us on thank the you podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's lovely to have you. Um, Luke, why don't you tell us what you've got coming up, where oh. people can find you? Well, the second half of my story <laughs> that generates the rest of the clicks. <laughs> there you go. That's, that should be coming up in the next, well, hopefully a few days, really, but um, might be next week. Cool. Um, Fantastic. So that's on com. Go for pessimism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, or no, you can no. find me at the Soul Shard. <laughs> love it. Love just it. to double that up. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and when you're reading the song, just sing them like a bullet train. When you sing the song, put the song on and, it and, will, and read the book. And, and you'll realize, and you'll yeah. think, why was this inspired by that? But don't question it. A writer's mind is, <laughs> is a strange beast. Um, but no, I've been enjoying reading it, and I'm sure you guys will check out that story and enjoy it as well. And if you don't, don't tell us about it. Um, <laughs> don't phone in. Yeah, don't phone in. We're good. Um, else, what have you got coming up? Where can uh, people find you and the Emerging well, Writers? Well, me personally, um, I'm at elsefitzgerald.com. I'm, yeah, short fiction, slow coming, but there is some coming. <laughs> um, and also, I would love, like, Come to the festival, emergingwritersfestival.org.au. The program's launching on the 10th of May. I think it's going to be amazing, and I would love to see everyone there. Mm-hmm. And you've also got some short fiction in your site, which is pretty slick already, so Thank you. check it out yeah, where you can. Thanks. Oh, they're looking for criticism on the new site, by the way. <laughs> yeah. no, new so website launched today. The comment section is no, always no, it's, open. It's looking good. What do we say? No hating. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In the comments, just like all, all, all love hearts, love, right? Love, There you go. So um, but yeah, congratulations on the site, and mm. I'm sure it'll be a pretty good festival this Thank year. Thank you. Um, we still can, need to know where to find Joel. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, the Morning Bell has changed its site, in case you don't know. It is now themorningbell.com.au. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I quite, 
I quite like it. It's a pretty slick design now. It looks all, I don't know, modern and stuff. New kinds of font. I don't know how do you how do you sell a website, Luke? You tell me. It's it looks snazzy. <laughs> it's good. It's smooth. It's quick. It's accessible. All those Link's buzzwords. Work. Yeah, <laughs> all in one. Um, but yes, you can find out our. We've got all our archives now up on the site uh, for the podcast and such. Don't go to the old address. Just tumbleweed there. Yep, that's right. Don't do that. Um, also, in regards to the morning bell, uh, there's a lot of announcements that they're doing uh, specifically with the submissions process and uh, they're revamping how uh, they are approaching the idea of putting out a journal. Um, and we'll probably talk more about that next week. Hmm. Uh, or rather, the next podcast. I would say that. Um, so in two weeks' time, we have Michael Pryor joining us on the podcast. And we will be talking about, surprise, surprise, dealing with criticism. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the idea of constructive criticism and how even constructive criticism can can sometimes get under your skin, can sometimes be unhelpful or helpful. And we'll be talking about working through that, and hopefully you can join us for that episode. Another positive podcast. Another Hooray! positive podcast. I mean, we've got Michael, you know. It's, it's, we'll be fine. Yeah, it's, we it's always good. need to bring in an optimist, so Michael will, <laughs> will suit it for that, uh, for that episode. Uh, as for myself, you can find me uh, at The Pen of Joel on Twitter, and thepenofjoel.com is my website where I don't really post anything. But you can check it out if you want. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.